Well, we're in the second message of the series Approachable, the pivotal questions in the life and ministry of Jesus, either questions people ask him or questions he asks of other people. In the last message, we looked at who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Now we're going to back up from Matthew chapter 16 and go back to Matthew chapter 9 and talk about according to your faith. According to your faith. This is a crucial message. God has spoken to me as I've worked on this message about according to your faith and this miracle in the life of Jesus and what faith is and what it's not. I hear a lot of people talking about faith and it's not really faith. Uh, if you've gone on our app and you've printed out the notes, you will see at the beginning of the notes this quote from Ron Dunn. Many Christians confuse the key of faith with counterfeit keys that bear a remarkable resemblance to faith, but are actually look-alike replicas. Often what they judge to be faith is in fact presumption, or wishful thinking, or selfish desire, or a denial of reality, or some form of positive thinking. According to your faith means at some point in your life, and at multiple times in your life, you're going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested. Your stamina is going to be tested. You're going to go through something that's going to stretch you out of your comfort zone. And we tend to think that if we're in our comfort zone, we're safe. But the reality is the comfort zone is not the best place to be. So I want us to look, first of all, at faith defined. The Bible is a book about faith. It is the key to everything in the Christian life. By grace you have been saved through faith. We stand on the promises of God. It is faith in Christ alone. Someone has described it as the hand of man laying hold of the arm of God. I like that. The hand of man laying hold of the arm of God. Manly said, and you've heard me use uh, this quote before, but I think it is the best definition of faith. Manly Beasley said, faith is believing that it's so when it's not so, so that it may be so because God said so. Let, let me give you some other statements, and these are some from Manly and some just kind of paraphrase from Manly, but they've helped me in my development of, of my faith and learning more and more to walk by faith. And, and they're Unfortunately, they're not going to be on the screen, but hopefully you can get the, the main point. Faith is dependence upon God. And this God dependence only begins when self-dependence ends. So God dependence only begins when self-dependence ends. Second statement, faith does not always take you out of the storm, but faith calms you in the storm. It is our faith in God that he is with us in the storm. Faith calms you in the storm, even if God doesn't take you out of the storm. The third statement is faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as visible. Faith allows us to treat the future as present 
and the invisible as visible. Now, the object of faith is obviously Christ. It's not faith in faith. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher or perfecter of our faith. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Galatians 2, 20, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Not faith on Christ, but faith in Christ. Big difference. Throwing yourself on Christ. Your faith is in who Christ is and what he has said. Now, three times in the Bible you see this phrase, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. You see it in Habakkuk chapter 2, which shows up in a time of crisis in the nation of the people of God. You see it in Romans chapter 1, Galatians chapter 3, and Hebrews chapter 10. The just shall live by faith. We aren't just saved by faith. We live by faith. It's how we live. Hebrews 11, 1 says faith is substance. It's substance. It's active. It has meat on the bones. The Bible convinces us that God is who he says he is. I love what Ron Dunn said. Ron said, faith is our amen to all that God has revealed about himself. When I read the word and God says, I'm this, I'm like this, I do this, I do that, I keep this promise, I hold this accountable. When God says that, we just read it and go, amen, amen, God, amen. Amen means so be it. Or yes, Lord. Our faith is our amen to what God has said. God, this is what you said in your word. I'm just going to say amen to that. I love what Bill Stafford used to say. You know, Bill Stafford used to say, I'm going to say amen, or somebody's got to say it for me, but I need an amen right here. And faith is our amen. It's to God for what he has said about himself. So it's an act, it's an attitude, and it has an object. Faith is an act. We act in faith. That's what works do. They're a result of faith. Faith is an attitude. It, it overrides fear, and its object is God. We don't have faith in faith. We have faith in God. In Matthew chapter 9, you see three accounts of healing. The synagogue official's daughter, Jairus' daughter, the woman with the issue of blood, he says, your faith has made you well, and the two blind men. I just want to focus in this message on the two blind men. In the Servant King series, uh, we'll have a message on uh, the woman with the issue of blood and how she reached out to Jesus. But I want to focus on these two blind men in verse 27 of Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the men came up to him, and Jesus said to him, to them, here's the question. Do you believe that I am able to do this? So that's a question we ought to ask when we ask God for something. Do we believe that God is able to do this? And what they say? Yes, Lord. Then, because of their response, 
Then he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done to you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout all the land. Now that's a whole other different sermon and different from what I want to do here. But I want you to underline the question, Do you believe that I am able to do this? and then draw a line down to this statement, according to your faith. Here's what I think that means. Much that God can do, I don't always see him doing it right now. Much that he can do, I don't see him doing it, but I believe he can do it. So here's a principle. Faith is acting on revelation. Faith is not acting on presumption or feelings. Faith is acting on revelation. Jesus said, according to your faith. Why were their eyes open? It was according to their faith. What was their faith? They believed that Jesus could give them sight. Luke chapter 17 and verse 14, when Jesus healed the ten lepers, he told them to go show themselves to the priest. They came, they believed, he healed them, they wanted to be healed, but the Bible says in that story, as they went, they were healed. They were acting on revelation. They were responding to the words of Jesus. So that's faith defined. What is faith's demand? These two men come to Jesus hoping for a miracle, and and listen, we've all been there. Whether it's in our health, in our family, in our finances, in our marriage, with our children, we've all had things personally, or as a church, or as a community, or as a nation, where we have asked God for a miracle. Seasons when our needs and our pains overwhelm us. I remember... One of the things Ron said about miracles, he said, there's nothing wrong with us that a miracle wouldn't cure. The problem is there never seems to be one when you need one. Now, he was saying that in jest, but there's some truth to that. What he was saying is, God doesn't do miracles on demand. And we would always like a miracle, just snap a finger and fix everything. But that's not the way God operates. God operates on revelation. You see, their need is obvious. They're born blind, which means they're outcast. Now, if you write in your margin, uh, John chapter 9, you will see where what I'm about to say was a feeling of the day. The feeling of the day was, if a person was born blind, it was because of the sin of that person or the sin of their parents. They or their parents had done something wrong that caused their children to be born blind, that that they had sinned. If they hadn't sinned, they wouldn't have been born blind. This is the same thing that happens in John 9 when, when Jesus is asked, is he blind because of his sin or the sin of his parents? And the only way that a blind person could exist in that day would be to beg. They were outcasts. They were isolated. They were despised. They were feared. They, they had to beg for everything. But with these two blind men, they're hoping for a miracle. That, that faith has put a demand on them. 
somehow, some way, they have gotten word that Jesus has healed people, and they go to him and think, well, if he's healed others, maybe he'll heal us. And they got up, I don't know how these blind people and these crowds that were following Jesus got to him, but they thought maybe they just followed the noise. But what was going on in their mind was, we need to get on the right path in the right direction if we want to get to the right place. So if you're going to operate by faith, you have to be on the right path. and You have to be going in the right direction so that you can get to the source of faith. Their faith was not fully developed, but the object of their faith was Jesus, like the woman with the issue of blood. If we can just get to Jesus, they were crying out is what the Bible says. They were screaming and shouting, maybe Jesus will stop and heal us. The object of their faith was that Jesus could possibly do something for them that no one else could do. It was a cry of faith. Let me tell you something. Sometimes faith just cries out. I can't see it. I can't feel it. I can't touch it. I'm not sure, but I'm crying out in faith that God would show himself to me. Isaiah had prophesied that when Messiah came, he would open the eyes of the blind. Remember what they called him? Son of David. Second Kings recorded that the prayers of a prophet could restore the sight of the blind. So here these men call out to Jesus, son of David. They were calling him the Messiah, and they said, have mercy on us, son of David. They couldn't see him, but they knew that they were going in the right direction. Now look at faith's declaration. Jesus hears them, he stops, and he responds and he asked them a question, do you believe that I am able to do this? He's calling for an affirmation. Yes, Lord, thumbs up. We believe you can do this. Fist pump, Lord. Yes, we believe you can do this. He's checking on their commitment. He's making sure that they don't put their faith in faith. Notice the question, do you believe I can do this? Me, not just anybody, but me. Spurgeon said, by faith all things become possible to us, yet the power is not in the faith, but in the God upon whom the faith rests. Faith always brings us to a defining moment. It's a memorial stone moment. It, Jesus is asking a dangerous question. He, he asked it of blind Bartimaeus. It's interesting that he asked these guys, you know, do you believe that I can do this? In Mark, he asked blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? This is a defining moment. What am I really asking God for? You see, if they said no, he wasn't going to heal them. And they would have been mocking Jesus, and they would have been mocked for going and wasting his time because they had little faith. Here's the reality. Uh, 
I know people like this. You know people like this. There are some people that just don't want to get better. They enjoy their misery. They enjoy their pain. Hey, man, how are you doing today? Rather than saying fine, they go through the entire doctor's appointment with you because they enjoy talking about their problems. And, and if God healed them of their problems, they wouldn't run to the altar and run to the church and praise God. They'd complain because they didn't have anything else to complain about. Or they would find something else to complain about. Restoration would require them to change their lives. Now think about these beggars. Think about these blind men. They, they have an existence because they beg. They're outcasts. If Jesus heals them, they've got to go to the employment office and see if they can get a job. They're going to have to start paying their own bills and not depending on people handing out money to them. They're going to have to take responsibility for their life. They're going to have to make a living. You see, some people, honestly, I don't get this, but some people enjoy drawing attention to their afflictions. I remember when Lyndon Johnson was president of the United States, which was before a lot of you were born, but I remember when he had gallbladder surgery. And, and he had like this nine-inch incision, and the press corps shows up, and, and they ask him, well, Mr. President, how are you doing after your surgery? And he, the President of the United States pulls his shirt up and shows his incision. He, he's affirming his affliction. He, he's making people notice his problem. Don't be that person. Why? Because that kind of person will never live the faith life. Faith doesn't get you all you want, but faith will keep you from living in a perpetual pity party. Don't live in a perpetual pity party. Have somebody that loves you enough to speak into your life to say, just, just stop that. Stop talking like that. Stop thinking that way. What is God saying? What does God want to do? What do you need to trust God for? Change the conversation. You'll be surprised how much better you feel. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't answer them when they're crying out in the streets. He waits until he gets them alone in the house, and he only asks one question. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? There's nothing mysterious about this. You think I can do this? I can do this, but do you know I can do this? Do you believe I can do this. When they were crying out, they were standing on solid ground. He was the object of their faith. Now, let me just give you four quick statements here. First, they were facing in the right direction because he said he was the one. Jesus was going to act on his own authority. His own authority. Secondly, he had already fulfilled hundreds of prophecies to prove that he was the son of David, that he was the Messiah. You're in the right direction when you're operating by faith because that's the way the church operates. I don't know if you realize this, but there's nothing written in the first century that denies or refutes or disclaims the miracles that Jesus did in that day. If it had been, Josephus would have recorded it, 
Other people would have recorded it. The Pharisees would have written their own documents to say, well, he said he cured this leper, really didn't cure him. Said he raised this guy from the dead, really didn't raise him from the dead. Said he healed this person, really didn't heal them. All of his miracles would have been refuted. None of them were refuted. At his trial, nobody said, he said he did miracles, but he didn't do them. The church is built on a faith that believes that God can do anything. Anything. You say, well, we don't always see miracles. Yet every time somebody is saved, you see a miracle. By the way, the greatest miracle is resurrection. The, the greatest miracle in our lives will be the day that we are resurrected and caught up to be with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, forever. You see, he healed leprosy, demon possession, paralysis, blindness, even death. Christianity is a faith of miracles. If we quit believing that God can do the impossible, then we will live in defeat. Some miracles we see, some things he does like we want him to do it, but we should never stop believing that God can do anything. In the story of these two blind men, we're in the ninth miracle in Matthew's gospel. The focus is on faith. Do you believe? And then, according to your faith, they didn't hesitate. They said, yes, Lord. Their faith was active. It wasn't passive. They had the confident conviction that Jesus can and he will. God finds faith irresistible. Jesus is attracted to people who cry out to him. Now in your notes, and I'm not going to take time to go over it, but there are five characteristics of, or facts about faith that are in there from Hebrews chapter 11 that came out of Chuck Swindoll's commentary uh, on the book of Hebrews, and I just put them in your notes because I wanted you to see them and uh, just kind of write them down in the margin of your Bible and realize that God wants us to operate by faith, according to your faith. So in your notes, you'll see these last three questions. Three questions that will help you bring clarity to your questions about miracles and about can God work a miracle in my life. Number one, who are you trusting in? Who are you trusting in? You trusting in frail and fallen man? Are you trusting in Jesus? I'm not saying don't go to a doctor. I'm not saying don't pay attention to the experts. But who are you trusting in? Are you trusting in your stockbroker? Or are you trusting in the God who owns all the cattle on a thousand hills? Who, who are you trusting in? Because the object of your faith determines where you put your faith. Hebrews 11 says, by faith we come to God. He's the source of all there is and all we need. Second question, what are you asking for? They were asking, listen, they were asking for mercy. Have mercy on us. They, the first thing out of their mouth was not, Lord, we'd really like to be able to see and have 20-20 vision. The first thing out of their mouth was mercy. They were helpless. They were in need. My biggest need from God 
is his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. Before I go asking him for stuff and things, I need to make sure he's the object of my faith and as the object of my faith that I confess my need for him and my need for his mercy. Not just to fix my problem, but to adjust my attitude. Then the last question, how should we ask? I would submit that we ask humbly. Now, I understand we boldly approach the throne of grace, that God has invited us into his presence. And by faith, we boldly approach the throne of grace, and we believe that we have a connection with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit that's praying inside of us. But I would say we do it humbly. Don't go to God and expect God to be like an on-demand movie. Look, Lord, I paid my money. I want this thing to work right now. I want it to work right now. I want you to work on my terms. Go to God humbly. How did they come? They didn't come asking to be healed of their blindness. They came asking for mercy. They got mercy, and they got healed from their blindness. Maybe Jesus is asking you a question. Do you believe that I can do this? Maybe he's asking you a question. Maybe you're like the man who came to Jesus and you're saying, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I still remember what Manly, one of the first things Manly Beasley ever showed me and taught me was when he would ask the question, what are you trusting God for today? What are you trusting God for today, right now? And Manly would say, maybe you ought to just go in the woods with a jug of water and your Bible and stay there until God speaks to you. Because faith is built on revelation. Now, before we end, next week we're going to talk about the cure for anxiety. How not to worry. Everybody's worried. Well, worry kills faith. And so in some ways, next week, we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 6. So we've gone from 16 to 9 to 6. We're going backwards so that we can go forward. So I want you to stay tuned and, and hang on and watch for next week. But if you have an area where you need prayer, and you need somebody to believe with you and to stand with you. And I would encourage you to look at that lower third on the screen and contact our next steps and let somebody pray with you or pray for you and let God work in your life in a new and fresh way. Have a great evening. I pray God will bless you according to your faith. God bless you.